0: don
1: Jamie, you live in the UK. If you had a tarmac rally car and needed somewhere to shake it down, where would you recommend?
0: Well, uh, I'd uh, I'd recommend the uh, the Bond Rally stage uh, owned by Slip and Grip Automotive, Gillian.
1: That's right. Slip and Grip Automotive are a UK-based motorsport events organiser and members club. They host various events throughout the year at a number of locations, including track day sprints and tarmac rally testing. They're the sole organisers for the band Rally stage in Mid Wales, a great tarmac stage providing great prep for crews before tarmac events in the UK or Ireland. To find out more, visit slipandgripautomotive.co.uk. The link is in the description of this episode. And make sure to follow them on Instagram and Facebook. I think you'll agree, they're a great bunch of lads. Jamie, how are you doing this week? Enjoying the sunshine?
0: Uh, I was enjoying the sunshine before it Uh, it buggered off at the start of the week so uh so yeah i mean certainly the last at the weekend was grand absolutely how about yourself
1: yeah not bad it it hasn't quite left us yet so it's uh it's quite stifling in my bedroom slash recording studio today um (laughs) but perhaps no hotter than what the crews experience on uh, an italian world rally uh championship round yeah slipped that one in nicely that was that was um you're off the cuff as well. I hadn't, hadn't written that in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't lie. I can see the post-its falling off behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so this week, we have a great show lined up, another in our retrospective series once again, following uh, our limitation of choosing only uh, rounds from our lifetime. This week will be a little different, as both our choices are vastly different events, as, of course... Rally Italy's home has moved to the island of Sardinia since 2004, and though Sardinia has had some great rallies played out there over the years, I think amongst rally fans you would have to look hard for someone who doesn't lust after its former home in San Remo.
0: Yes, um, I even uh, chanced on uh, a dirt article in 2020 while doing some research for this episode imploring rally fans to to basically stop Living in the past and idolizing Rally San Remo and to embrace Rally Sardinia. It's like, well, nice try,
1: but you know <laughs> I think there's probably a generation or two of us has to pass before that happens. <laughs> which which doesn't say anything necessarily negative about Sardinia because it's actually a cracking location and, and has put up some great stuff. But um yeah, San Remo is mega cool. That's
0: it. That's it. It's it's the youth thing, isn't it? Or as you say, it's the, the nostalgic memories.
1: Yeah, still haven't quite taken off those rose-tinted glasses. Um, so, in that case, then Jamie, as you've uh, chosen the San Remo, one of the San Remo rounds, why don't you lead us away? What year have you chosen?
0: Absolutely, um, <clears throat> I've chosen the 2001 rally running of Rally San Remo, um, largely because of the season in which it took place. Um, that year uh, has obviously passed into rallying legend uh, as one of the most hotly contested in the modern era. Um, while it would be wrong to suggest that the Italian round played a decisive role in the event eventual outcome of the championship, the fact that none of the title protagonists scored especially highly helped to ensure that the battle went down to the wire uh, in the RAC. The topsy-turvy nature of that season uh, meant that Colin McRae and Tommy MacKinnon went to Italy, tied for the championship lead with 40 points apiece. With Richard Burns, while Richard Burns had managed to haul his way back into title contention through victory in New Zealand a couple of weeks previously, Burns sat nine points adrift of the leading pair, just a single point ahead of Carlos Sainz in fourth. The Spaniard's legendary consistency helping him to stay in contention despite having not troubled the top step of the podium all year long. As we'll see, this was a, a very weird rally. Um, the title protectors protectors were pretty much rendered bit part players at best. Um, While the immensely high rate of attrition meant that anyone who merely reached the end would likely be well rewarded, Uh, it was also a rally of three distinct phases, Uh, the first of which saw Penitzi battling Hazus Purus, and I will end up calling him Jesus at some point, but we'll stick with Hazus for now, Hazus Purus, the second with Penitzi squabbling with Didier Oriel, and on the third and final leg, having to do the same again against the resurgent Sebastian Lowe and in the fog. Um, so, yeah, very much a case of uh, France's old rallying guard trying to fend off the new generation. And you could argue that perhaps this is the event when maybe maybe it would be too far to say that the torch was passed from one generation to another. But it was certainly, I think, the last the last gasp of the of the old tarmac generation. Uh, although one of those things you could only see with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, and also, this is a, a really one thing that struck me was how good looking this rally was. I know that, as you say, rose tinted specs. I think I wear rose tinted contact lenses most of the time. <laughs> um but uh and also I have if anyone listening to this will know I have no ability to judge the passage of time and think that any event from 25 years ago feels like two minutes ago. But this one really did, you know, just watching the um uh the the silver and, and red uh, uh WRCs really did transport me right back. Um staggering to believe it's over two years 20 years ago now um so yeah i think all in all a cracking rally cracking location and uh yeah let's let's see if we can get back there one day (laughs) i Um,
1: think any hope of that has probably long passed but we can but dream and for like especially to arrive there with with the, the selection of entries and quality of cars and how good looking as you say like yeah we know what yeah. was there, it was cracking, wasn't it? It was a great year in terms of the overall entries and um what that generation of world Rally car looked like. Um yes. especially in obviously Tarmac trim is always better looking, but um with few exceptions, but they always looked even bit more at home in San Remo for some reason.
0: And of course a bumper crop of uh, super sixteen hundreds and then things like that. So yes. That year's rally San Remo consisted of three legs with a combined competitive mileage of 368 kilometers spread over 20 stages um leg one a uh, totaled 138.45 kilometers leg two 142 kilometers and leg three 87.6 kilometers um in terms of teams and drivers we had of course peugeot uh with marcus Gronholm, didier Aurel, gil finnitzi and harry Rovanperä uh Peugeot, of course had won here with pinetty and delacour the previous year albeit in uh, famously contentious circumstances thanks to the uh the latter accusing the former of the illegal wrecking and then <laughs> pinetty looking at delacour so hard that he had to go off and have a, a bit of a moment um <laughs> and uh yes and in 2001 the team clearly hoped to repeat this result and as such it had nominated Penalty and Oriel to score manufacture points, leaving Gronholm and Rotterdam to do the best they could. Uh, Subaru had Richard Burns, Petter Solberg, Marco Martin and Toshio Arai. Um, and given how it ended up, it's easy to forget just how piecemeal Subaru's 2001 season looked. Uh, it really was only thanks to Burns's ability to score points in metronomic fashion that helped him save the day. Uh, and of course, his win in New Zealand would prove to be his only win of the year and the springboard to his ultimate success. Uh, but neither he nor Subaru were fitting especially confident going to the final duo of Tarmac events of 2001. Uh, the one following this being, of course, the Tour de Corse. Um, in Italy, Burns and Solberg were nominated to score points with Marco Martin and Arai there to uh, gather data and make up the numbers. Uh, and over at M Sport Ford, uh, 2001 probably marked the high watermark of the Mark one Focus WRC programme. Uh, with both McRae and Sainz, it was a very real chance of taking either the second or third driver's titles respectively. Both were duly registered to score manufacturer's points, uh, which left Derekur to do what he could in the third car. M- McRae pronounced himself unhappy with both the development pace and cycle of the Focus WRC before the event uh, and also its Pirelli tyres. Uh, he even went so far to, to suggest that he might struggle to break into the top three. And this would prove to be something of a prophetic statement. Then, of course, Mitsubishi. Uh, this Sanremo marked the debut of uh, Mitsubishi's first ever world rally car, uh, the Evo WRC. Uh, this effectively, this mean that this round, round effectively saw the, the curtain drawn on the Group A era, at least in terms of its OEM involvement. Uh, it also signaled the end of Mitsubishi's all-conquering run of Group A Evo success. And while it couldn't have been known at the time, the end of Mackinnon's time with the rally operation. Uh, they had Mackinnon and Loix, obviously. Citroën. Uh, the Zara WRC had shown immense pace earlier on in the year in Spain, yet drivers uh, Bulgalski and Jesus Puros were blighted by poor reliability. Nevertheless, the, nevertheless, the innate speed of the car was plain to see, and Citroen's decision to spend much of the previous year developing the Zara T4 had been more than vindicated. Uh, the team could, of course, call upon the services of two of the finest seal surface talents of the of the age, with Bogalski and Pirus, both of whom had exhibited scorching foam in rallied Spain earlier in the year before reliability sidelined them. Rising star and junior WRC star Seb Loeb had been given the third Zara WRC, but not scominated, nominated to score manufacturer points, uh, which, of course, uh, would come back to, uh, to haunt Citroën. Uh, Hyundai had McRae, and for this event parachuted in, Piero Liatti. you'd assume as a sort of local hero and uh, perceived tarmac specialist, or at least more of a tarmac specialist, and Skoda with the Octavia Evo 2 with uh, Schwartz, Perry and Roman cresta for this event as well. So the best car there, Well, the of best. course, of course. Although, and you know, we, we, we know that it wasn't exactly the quickest thing in the world, but it does... My God, look at some of the times in this. The poor bugger really is just, like, completely outclassed by these small, nimble things. You know, you've got mclaren McRae complaining that his focus WRC is too long and unwieldy. I mean, must have... Bruno Terry peering in from the back, saying, "You what, mate?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> Although who who was it said it to us lately that uh, the Octavia is not nearly as big as we make it out to be? Um, someone kind of it was. Um, uh Tony Simpson.
0: Tony, Tony Simpson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he did the maths.
1: He while, reached out with some wheelbase lengths on a run. Yeah, yeah.
0: You um, can prove anything with facts and, and stats. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? <laughs> Print the legends, not the truth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh and get ready for some um, butchered Italian pronunciations because, you
1: know, next up on the, so, on the countries we alienate. Oh dear. Sorry everyone.
0: Um so SS1 was uh called <laughs> SS1 was called Rodi. Jesus Christ, I'm bad. Um, McRae was first out the blocks, uh, but suffered from the off with understeer uh, and the relative age of the focus. He could only manage seventh fastest overall, uh, a premonition of how the event would pan out for the Scott. Mackinnon's debut with the Lancer started very badly. Uh, he had a an intermittent yet persistent transmission electrical gremlin, uh, and he was only 11th fastest through the first stage. Not as much as not didn't struggle as much as Burns though, uh, who struggled with the cold Pirellis on his Impreza WRC went off the road out of the rally just four kilometers into the first stage. Uh, he said he was taking things relatively easy, but slid wide. I uh, couldn't find any grip in the middle of the corner and went off the road. Sainz uh, said he was happy with the focus development from McRae. Could still only manage third fastest, albeit just 0.7 seconds behind Gronholm and second. <laughs> Armin Schwartz in the Octavia had his efforts in special stage one ruined by an intermittent fault that cut power to the engine. Uh, this ultimately manifested itself uh, as a goosed alternator. Uh, the lead Skoda retired from r- the rally while reversing between SS1 and SS2. Panizzi uh, uh, was unhappy as well with the, the front end of his, fo- his 206 WRC, but still quickest of all in SS1, 1.6 seconds ahead of teammate Gronholm. Bulgalski's rally started poorly. Uh, He lost almost 30 seconds by pirouetting his Zara near the end of the stage. He knocked two corners off the car in the process, but was able to continue. He ended the first stage marooned down in 28th overall, set about making up for his mistakes thereafter. Leati rewarded uh, Hyundai's faith in him by clicking the arm coat uh, and then sort of pinballing off the stage and out the rally. Presumably uh, much to his employer's chagrin. Uh, so not a great start to the rally for various WRC regulars. Um, three works crews were out of the rally within minutes of the event beginning or, to put another, get, another way, within 12 competitive kilometres. Um, so yeah, fairly high rate of attrition from the off. Uh, next stage, SS 2 Langan. McRae was still battling with the front end of his focus and struggled to find a rhythm and with it a competitive turn of speed. He was 13th fastest through SS2 and plummeted to 13th overall result. Macklin and Loix found their respective EVO WRC debuts hampered by the same intermittent deferential issues uh, with the all-important rear diff failing to lock in a reliable, predictable manner. They hemorrhaged time as a result. Macklin was 17th fastest through SS2. Uh, for his part, Gronholm was fourth fastest, but he said he could have been better had he not suffered from brake fade, uh, which forced him to clip the rear of the 206 on a wall toward the end of the stage. He was very lucky to survive to fight another day. Um, Panizzi compl- complained that the active front anti-roll bar on his car wasn't working as advertised and was thus sapping his confidence, not that you'd have known from his special stage times. Uh, equally, Upset was Oriol, who uh, was who was very unhappy about being lumbered with the old five-speed gearbox as opposed to the six-speeder in the cars of his uh, teammates. He was only seventh fastest, but still had held fifth place overall. Come the end of the stage. Um, <clears throat> as for Hayes Peiris, he was fastest of all through SS two, one point five seconds ahead of Team Bulgalski and eight point four seconds ahead of panizzi in third. He moved into the overall lead as a result. Um, Pyrrhus would lose some time in the very next stage because of a uh, a weird tyre vibration on the front left it uh, was only 5th fastest but he nevertheless managed to hold on to the lead until the following stage when he was overhauled by a resurgent Panizzi uh, on SS3 Peugeot locked up the top 3 fastest times on the stage Panizzi ahead of Gronholm, ahead of Aureol Orgalski in 4th, Delacour 6th and Saint 7th that SS4 brought more crushing Gallic domination. Firas, two seconds faster than Penitzi, who was in turn less than a second quicker than Bulgowski. Oriel, two point seconds further back and forth, with Loeb 0.6, and six set seconds further back than him. Uh, Sainz, for his part, dropped down the order uh, and was struggling for pace, and not as much as teammate McCray, who was still 13th fastest, and only two places ahead of title, rival Makanen, 16th. And um, Come SS5, Nava won. Panitski was much happier with his new non-active front anti-roll bar and used his newfound confidence to full effect. He took the lead of the rally on this stage, though this probably owed as much to ex-leader Purus, being only seventh fastest. Um, borgalski proved that Purus was by no means the only Citroen man in with a chance of victory by winning the stage by three seconds. Um... Uh, ahead of Gronholm, who in turn held a 0.1 second advantage over Panizzi. Loeb and Auriel were fourth and fifth quickest respectively to make an all-French top five. Uh, for his part, Pyrrhus could only manage seventh fastest and slipped a second overall, albeit only half a second behind Panizzi. Uh, Pyrrhus blamed the slip on his notes being overly conservative. Uh, there was precious little to separate the top three on SS6. Bulgowski, quickest of all through the stage with a time of 7 minutes, 53.5 seconds, just 0.1 seconds faster than Panitzian in second. Uh, Bulgowski was able to move up to fourth overall result, usurping Oriel at the same time. Uh, at the other end of the scale, we have Alistair McRae, who lost 10 minutes, beaching his access WRC on a dry stone wall. Uh, this dropped him right down the order to 56 overall. Uh, and he was hit with a 50-second penalty for being late at a time arrival. It would prove to be a wretched weekend for the Hyundai team, and Recre would wind up bearing the brunt of the team's poor fortune. SS seven. Fiora's stock struck back against Panizzi on this stage, dashing through the 25.2-kilometre test to set a time of 16 minutes, 41.9 seconds. This ended up being 4.2 seconds better than Bolgowski in second, and a full 5.6 seconds better than Pinnitzi in third. Piotr thus rattled wrestled back control of the lead and would extend his advantage to a scant 1.5 seconds for the following stage, the final one of the leg. Gronholm could only manage 10th quick through here, dropped to third, from third to fifth overall as a result. He blamed his lack of pace on poor visibility and an intermittent gearbox issue of his own. Uh, SSH. And the ability of the uh, Zara drivers to trade fastest times continued, with Borgalski winning the final stage of the opening leg by 5.4 seconds over his teammate Pioris with Pinitsi 0.1 seconds back in third. Aurel and Loeb set identical times on this stage, 9 minutes 17.1 seconds, to enable the latter to overhaul Gronholm for fifth place overall. Uh, it lent the, uh, the the top of the leaderboard a decidedly Gallic flavour come the end of the opening leg. Fioris in the lead with a 1.5-second advantage over a himself 14 seconds ahead, of, uh, six seconds ahead of a hard-charging bolgalski Oriel 10.5 seconds further back and forth, uh, and Loeb 4.8 seconds back from him in fifth. McCray and Mackinan both had awful opening legs with evil handling cars and transmission issues for the latter. The Mackinan ended the day, uh, sorry, they ended the day in 13th, 14th overall, respectively, and a long way off the top 10. then placed much of the blame for his lack of pace on the unpredictable nature of his Evo's differentials. He described the issue thusly. It was very strange because nothing like this has happened during testing and everything felt good at shakedown. Basically, the diffs have not been locking, and although things were better this afternoon with the front and centre diffs, the rear was still not quite right. Hopefully the team has sorted the problem and will get a clean run tomorrow. Obviously, it's disappointing, but I'm encouraged that my championship rival have also had problems. Um, so, yes. Leg two. Piero started the second leg as he ended the first by throwing it all at the wall and emerging fastest through the stage, this time with 1.2 seconds ahead of Penizzi. Uh, for his part, Pernizzi was 1.9 seconds ahead of Gronholm in third, with local boy Renato took fourth, fourth quickest overall in his 206 WRC. Uh, in the process, he demoted Delacor in the third work's focus uh, to ninth overall. Further down the order, Tosio Orai ripped a wheel off his imprector and retired, a foreshadower of the carnage that would soon come to pass. Uh, on the very next stage, that would be the case, uh, SS10 Molini. This was uh, a bit of a dramatic car breakup. And uh, the first victim was the rally leader, purus who ripped a rear wheel off. Uh, he oversteered, clipped the left rear, Uh, and was out of the rally on the spot. Although, if he crashed a little bit harder and a little bit further, he probably would have been down the cliff and it could have been a far nastier incident. So, we live and learn. Spain's loss was France's gain, with Loeb winning the stage 2.5 seconds ahead of Finitzi, who in turn was 3.9 seconds ahead of Delacour. Uh, It was his first stage win in a world rally car and it only his 10th competitive stage at the wheel of the Zara WRC. Um, So... Yeah, more evidence of uh, his once in a generation class, really. Uh, Bogolsky clipped a wall in his efforts to catch the Peugeot of Binetti and damaged his steering. He could only manage seventeenth fastest and dropped to fourth overall. Fundamentally, and, and he had had to deal with fundamentally compromised handling henceforth. He even spun again later in that same stage. Gronholm's charge saw him slide wide on a patch of gravel, uh, and he also hit the wall. He was able to keep going, but both car and driver were wounded, more so than initially appeared. He'd spend uh, a portion of the road section attempting to bend the rear of the uh, the rear suspension of the Peugeot back into some sort of shape. Uh, Sympton and McRae were making steady but not spectacular progress. Saint was sixth fastest, McRae seventh fastest through SS10, while poor old Macallan could only manage tenth fastest overall and uh, looked well, tenth fastest through the stage and was twelfth overall. Uh, Marco Martin also came to grief on this stage. Um, he blamed an incorrect pace note on his excessive pace going into a right-hander, speed that ultimately saw the Impressor step out and hit the wall. He was uh, 53rd fastest through Maloney as, as a result and incurred a 10-second penalty for being a, a minute late at uh, time control. Delacour took advantage of the chaos to set third fastest time, moving up to seventh overall in the process. Um whereas uh, McRae and Mackinnon were still fighting over 11th ele- overall and well out of the points. <clears throat> the next stage, SS11, uh, saw Belgalski go out of the vent. He'd managed to haul the Zara into the stage, whereupon he continued to do battle with its evil handling. This precipitated another slide into yet another wall, which damaged the car uh, and prompted the fuel system to uh, to give up the ghost. Apparently an electrical fuel pump issue uh, put him out of the rally for good. Oriel seized the chance to set fastest time on the stage and the process moved past Loeb into second overall, meaning the Battle of France was well and truly on. Uh, Granholm showed his immense talent yet again by nesting fifth fastest time despite damaged rear suspension and what would later be revealed to be a severely bruised vertebrae. Uh, Science was up to fourth overall, despite a puncture. Uh, and this is a case of classic Carlos driving with a clear head and with this focus solely on grinding out a points hole. Uh, McRae and Makanen still 10th and 11th overall, respectively. Uh, and even this largely due to the rate of attrition uh, earlier in the morning. Uh, yes, and still both Evo struggling with the uh, the intermittent differential issues. Uh, At service, Pinitzi pronounced the big battle between Pyrrhus and himself over and seemed confident in a simpler path to victory, given he had a 30 plus second advantage over Loeb. Little did he know the real battle was only about to begin. Poor old Gronlom had to have uh, intense help for the Peugeot physio, uh, while Subaru worked feverishly to keep Marco Martin in the rally. SS12... Oriel was perhaps overly con- uh, cautious on this stage and paid the price. Lobo only needed to be fourth fastest to relieve his compatriot of second place overall, whereas a rejuvenated Gronholm was second fastest to move up to overall at the expense fourth overall at the expense of Sainz, who was still suffering the effects of a-, a puncture caused by super aggressive cuts. Uh, Solberg set his and Pirelli's first fastest time of the rally and his and his first on tarmac. Uh, he moved to 7th overall as a result. This was still a very quiet and uneventful rally for the Norwegian. Um, SS-13, Napa 2, more Panitzi domination. was quickest by 1.4 seconds ahead of Gronholm and thus seemed to be sitting pretty with a near 40-second advantage over Loeb, who was himself 2.7 seconds ahead of Oriel. Uh, this meant that Titanic's score for the second was, uh, was in full swing. Uh Aurel set fastest time from Travaglia and the very next stage. Uh, he won SS14 by 0.2 seconds, enough for him to move into second place at Loeb's expense, and with still less than a second in it. Um, Ronholm was still showing impressive resilience with the fifth fastest time to hold on to fourth overall. McRae, Sainz and Macken finally showing some a decent turn of speed, sixth, seventh and eighth fastest in SS14, respectively. SS15 was Molini 2. Loeb was fastest by a full 7.7 seconds to take second from Oriel uh, decisively. Uh, It was a position he'd hold until the end of the day. And again, more ample evidence of his class and that he really was a once in a generation talent. The final stage of the second leg was Paranaldo 2, uh, and Finitzi was 1.1 second quickest on the final stage of the day to end the leg with a 34.5 second advantage over Loeb, who in turn was 7.3 seconds ahead of, Grand, of, of, of Oriel. Gronholm was a distant fourth, almost a minute, half a minute further back. Despite being only 10th fastest here, Delacour managed to take 7th from Solberg. Uh, albeit this being helped by the fact that the Norwegian clouted a curb and had to crab towards the end of the stage and then the uh, the road section to get back to service, which was pretty bad. But not as bad as poor old Alistair McRae, who lost the brakes completely towards the end of SS16, had to limp to the end of the rally and then set about trying to bleed the brakes to set, to uh, restore some braking and stopping ability. But no dice. The final accent without the rally, um, and Alistair was was left to. Uh, count his blessings or lick his wounds in, in the middle of a town centre somewhere. <laughs> um, his, uh, his brother, uh, Colin, was 8th fastest through SS16. They're still only 10th overall, while poor old Mackin was just 12th fastest and marooned down 11th. Leg three. The final rally, the final leg of the rally brought storm clouds over San Remo and a pitch black early AM start. It's a tricky tyre choice as well. Uh, as uh, as though it was sodden at the top of the mountains it was there was clear evidence of it drying out on the, the far side so a bit of a, a sort of Monty uh, type conundrum for the teams to battle and deal with Loeb admitted to having never driven the Zara WRC in the wet uh, WRC in the wet while Oriel counted that as Loeb was from northern France he should have no problem de- dealing with wet weather and driving in the fog <laughs> um, so SS17 San Romolo 1 uh, Loeb was fastest by 1.5 seconds, again over local man Travaglio, with Oriel and Panizzi only third and fourth quickest respectively, meaning the battle was the, for the lead was well and truly on. Uh, Travaglio's speed meant that he took fourth overall from Saints, Saints temporarily, uh, while Gronholm's power steering failed and he struggled throughout the stage. He was only 18th fastest and dropped to sixth overall, uh, sixth overall as a result Um maclin fifth fastest overall in this stage so finally beginning to make some progress albeit too little too late in terms of uh, a, a real decent points haul. um the weather really closed in for ss18 the uh, cold odier uh filthy weather overcast rain and fog at the upper reaches of the mountains but again a dry line forming towards the end on the far side um Oriel struggled in the fog and lost 17 seconds on this stage. He fell 23 seconds behind Loeb and lost any real hope of battling for second. Gronholm, Port continued to battle with his power, steer, power steering, or lack thereof. It was only 25th fastest, down to 7th overall in place of Delacroix and 6th. Um, Sainz chose his tyres wisely uh, and drove like a pro to set fastest time, 0.6 seconds ahead of Vinicius, uh, which again put Travaglia down to 5th overall. Uh, Marco Martin, Howard through the fog, they set third fastest time on SS18, 0.4 seconds behind Vinicius, one seconds behind Sainz. Uh, and so the penultimate stage of the rally, San Romolo 2, more wet weather, more overcast skies. Um, most teams chose intermediates for the final two stages. At this stage, Loeb was 0.5 seconds faster than Sainz to win the stage, but a full 21 seconds quicker than Pellizzi in six, cutting the latter's lead to a mere 11.8 seconds with one stage to go. Uh, Granholm was third fastest, now with the functioning power steering. McRae, seventh fastest and getting quicker, moved into ninth overall with help from the high attrition, uh, whereas Makinen went wide and slapped a wheel against a wall, bringing the uh, Evo WRC's uh, debut to a merciful conclusion. And one would assume that uh, Makinen wasn't too unhappy to be uh, done with that particular rally in that particular car. Um, not to be outdone, Mark and Martin had a big accident. And it's one that I'm surprised we don't we don't discuss more. I mean, probably because it was it, well it probably because it came off, off the back of quite an eventful rally uh and thankfully it didn't cause either him nor beef park any harm um aqua the impressive aqua played into a junction flipped on its roof and traveled full oh, 50 meters on its roof down the stage uh and apparently the incident was repeated by at least three other cars that same stage um, both he and beef park yeah yeah it, the car looks properly properly minced um but yes, Compressor well out the rally there and then. Uh, and then the final stage, SS20, uh, more foul, sodden weather with a dry line on the far side of the mountain. Panitzi under pressure from resurgent Loeb despite this being his first time driving a car anywhere. Um, both Loeb and Panitzi were slower than they had been early in the rally, perhaps understandably. Um, Loeb was ninth fastest and the latter, uh, Panitzi, 10th fastest. This was not enough to give Loeb the win. Panizzi won the rally by 11.4 seconds. Um, it's a second victory here in succession, meaning the old guard had held the line for now. Delico won the stage by throwing caution to the wind, 0.4 seconds ahead of Colin McCrae, both helped by Pirelli, Pirelli's wet weather performance. Um, McRae's pace meant he took eighth overall from Solberg on the final stage, thus making it marking a decidedly fat, flat and unremarkable drive from Solberg. Um, Simon-Jean Joseph was third fastest in a 206 WRC, 0.1 seconds ahead of Bruno Thierry in an Octavia WRC EVO 2. Um, and so, yes, this was a case of outright French domination. French drivers, teams, tyres and cars occupied the top three. Panizzi, Loeb, Aurel, followed by Sainz, Travaglio, Delacour, Gronholm, McRae, Solberg and Simon-Jean Joseph. Um came home in fourth overall and with it the only championship contender to score points uh pure class from the Spaniard uh, is the kind of thing that the drive that I associate with uh, with Carlos you know his ability to to always bring to take something from an event no matter how how poor it was um out. but exactly and in the grand scheme of things it didn't really change much title protagonists, Saints excluded um failed to score uh McRae, 40 points, Macklin 40 points. Sainz now had 33 points ahead of Burns on 31. Um, but yes, the reason I mainly selected it was because of the the feeling that it was the old tarmac guard's last hurrah. Um not not that I'm saying that you know it was all downhill from there on, but certainly I think this is the last rally when you would expect someone other than Loeb to be a favorite for, for a victory on a sealed service event.
1: Yeah, it's hard to argue with that and, and although it did show that there was also the event that perhaps showed that, that Loeb would be the guy, one of these events that showed that Loeb would be now the replacement for these tarmac specialists albeit he would more than just replace them, he would be the, the all round specialist as it were. Um, And then exactly. I, I compounded again by, as you say, the main title kind of contenders and protagonists basically equalizing themselves by being nowhere and like the you know the heavyweights of the nineties, other than Signs, admittedly grinding out his yeah. results, but but a lot of that due to attrition as well. I mean, if you take the the attritional yeah. results out of it, that puts Signs out of the points almost, I guess, um, or or close to close to being out of the points, and then you have, yeah, the the early Evo WRC, you know, starting where they meant to go on by being dreadful um good and, look great
0: though not that that matters
1: um yes um yeah it I, does matter to an extent but you know no but even to the point where no one really like, people still lust after some good-looking shit rally cars i don't think anyone lusts after the step one evo wrc somebody must have uh, letters in the post <laughs> but um answers on a post <laughs> but um yeah
0: I, I think what appealed was just the fact that Panitzi. you know, here's me waxing lyrical about how it was Loeb, Loeb's coming to prominence, but Panitzi basically besting all comers and fending off first Jesus, Purus, then Oriel, then Loeb. The final bit in the in in the fog. I mean, I think that perhaps given another stage or two, Loeb would have overhauled him because in the penultimate stage, he took what did I say? You know, given or take. 20 seconds off off his lead or whatever. Um, you know, uh, I think had he had a little bit longer, then this would have been uh, his his first WRC, well, his first World Rally car WRC victory. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty good. I'm going to watch that because it sounds like pure carnage. I'd forgotten most of it, just, just with the sheer volume of of happenings going on. Yeah.
0: SS10, Molini 1. Seriously, everyone's out on that.
1: (laughs) Oh, to go back to San Remo.
0: Well, you're not, you're going to go forward to Sardinia.
1: Yes. (laughs) And, and with that great segue, um, yes. So Rally Italy, of course, has been one of the founding rounds of the calendar since 1973. Uh, The event, as, as mentioned, has taken place on the island of Sardinia since 2004 when it was first won by Petter Salberg, I've chosen the 2008 event as my choice this week when the island played host to round six of the 15 rallies on the WRC calendar that year. Based in the eastern coast town of Ulbia, 57 crews would contest the event on 17 Sandy stages over 344 competitive stage kilometres. Junior WRC crews would fight it out alongside the top flight WRC entries um, PWRC and JWRC were splitting the 2008 season, though both would be present uh, for Finland as the support categories. Leading those entries uh, were Citroën Total World Rally Team. This was a time in the World Championship when manufacturers could only field two cares. Not just two point scoring cares, but just two cares per event. Sebastian Loeb was their their team leader with Danny Sordo and the other C4 which had replaced a very successful Zara at the start of the 2007 season. C4, which, of course, would go on to win 36 times between 2007 and 2010, along with 86 podiums. The BP Ford Abu Dhabi World Rally team, say it three times fast, but brought the focus WRC 2007 to the table with Miko Hervinen and Yari Matti latfila the team's driver pairing. Current championship leader Herven had won last time out in Jordan and the Finn was looking like the only person who was going to put a real challenge up to Loeb for the title this year. Up next, Subaru World Rally team with the Impreza WRC 2007 or the S12B to you and I. The last of the three-box saloon World Rally cars before the S14 would arrive. Much upgraded from the earlier car, but not without its flaws, Though remains one of my all-time favourite rally cars, having had a lot of exposure to S12s over the years on Irish stages. Um, still a great sound. Former world champion Peter Salberg was paired with Australian Chris Atkinson, who had been having a much better time of it this, even, this season than his more experienced colleague. Suzuki World Rally team had stepped up to the big leads proper for the 2008 season after debuting their SX4 World Rally car on the Tour de Course the previous year and also giving it a run out for Rally GB. Longtime Suzuki driver Perganer Anderson, who had won the JWRC with Suzuki, would continue his partnership with the team, and Tony Gardemeister would drive the other SX4. It had been a rocky start for the team in the World Rally Championship, with Gardemeister retiring in all but one of the previous five rounds, while Anderson had finished two rounds, not faring much better. Both cars marred by reliability issues and head gasket problems, um, notably. M Sport are running basically most of the cars in this event because this is the time where they also had the Stobart Ford uh, or the VK Stobart Ford team. Uh, they had two cars with Gigi Kelly and Matthew Wilson at the wheel. Both had the exact same equipment as the, the senior team as it were. Uh, 07 spec Focus World Rally cars. Uh, also being run by M Sport were the Munchies Ford team with Argentinian Federico Villagra paired with Henning Salberg, who'd stepped in for another driver for this event. Down in the JWRC field, a certain Sebastian Auger was out in the Equipe de France uh, C2, along with some other familiar names like Martin Prokop, who would also be a staple in the World Championship in a kind of private basis throughout the years. Sebastian Loeb, boasting his best haircut to date, had crashed on the road section in Jordan. Uh, last time out, allowing Herviden into the lead of the championship. He'd also crashed out in Sardinia the year before and needed a good performance here and couldn't afford to go off on these narrow mountain roads where there was little margin for error. Herviden stated prior to the event he didn't mind opening the road and doing the sweeping with the new Pirelli Scorpion tyre. Seemed pretty confident going in. Do you remember that Jordan incident, Jamie? Do you remember what happened on that? With the lobe crash? I don't, no, no. Yeah, so he had a 34-second lead um and then he had a head-on collision with another C4 World Rally car, driven by a privateer uh lad from Zimbabwe. The stage start and the stage exit, exit were both coming up on the same road. So as Loeb was heading off the stage, this guy was coming up to the stage start, and they had the both cars rallies were ended with the, st- <laughs> with the size of the impact. Uh, really one bizarre those, incident.
0: One of those fluke things that only rallying can can can. Drop
1: up, yeah. Yeah, you should never really end up in a head on collision with another rally car, uh, regardless of whether it's the road section or not. All servicing for the event would take place in the town of Albia. Uh, Friday and Saturday would consist of six stages each, while Sunday would have five, with a total of just under 345 competitive stage kilometers. Featuring some of the longest stages on the calendar, with one of the Friday stages, or rather two of them, uh, Krastatza being just shy of 34 kilometers. Herven and led the cars out on a sunny Friday morning, but it was his teammate Yari Mali Lafala who set the early pace, running fourth on the road, going quickest by seven seconds ahead of Citroen's Danny Sordo. Herven claimed at stage end he had to be very cautious, as it was so slippy he'd struggled to keep the car on the road. He finished 16 seconds slower than Lafala, so maybe opening the road in the new prelice not quite as ideal as he thought it might have been. Loeb competed stage one, eight seconds up on the fin. Gigi Galli was third quickest, about half a second quicker than Loeb and 0.4 seconds off Sordo. Young teenager Andreas Mickelson was fifth fastest in an older Focus. Stage two took place on the longest stage of the event, the uh, aforementioned Krastatze, 33.96 kilometres of challenging, twisty mountain roads, including an early flat-out jump in the heat of the Mediterranean sun. And this is where Frenchman Loeb pounced, completing the stage 18.2 seconds faster than teammate Sardo, who was second fastest. Rally leader Latvilla clouted a bank during a rather big moment, picking up a rear puncture and losing his front bumper, dropping him to 14th overall, over a minute and a half off the lead now, with both C4s now in the top two places. Miko Hervinen had a better time of it than his teammate, but was still 20 seconds off the pace of Loeb while sweeping the road, though he finished the stage sitting third overall with Australian Chris Atkinson fourth and Petter Salberg rounding out the top five now that Gigi Galli had also picked up a rear puncture, costing him around a minute on this stage, stepping down to 10th overall. Loeb claims two stage wins on the bounce, pipping a determined Latvilla by 4.4 4 seconds, while Galli also on a push after his own puncture was third fastest. And so as the cars made their way back to the first service, it was Loeb leading by a substantial 22.5 seconds over Sordo, followed by Herven and 38 seconds back, And while the two Subarus rounded out the top five. The Suzuki team's struggles had continued on the island and they sat with Gardemeister in 11th with a 40-second penalty being four minutes late out of the morning service with a troublesome gearbox. And Anderson, who has previous guest Jonas Anderson sitting alongside him, had a 10-second penalty in 10th after being late out of service as well and also had a spin early on in the day. 18-year-old Andreas Mikkelsen, after being quick out of the blocks, put the car off on stage two, having a heavy roll and reti- retire from the event. Leader Loeb said in service he was pushing hard, but uh, he also slipped in the usual, but the feeling was good. While Hervenin said if he pushed any harder, he would break the car and didn't have an answer as to why he was off the pace other than being first on the road. Gigi Galley went fastest on the first stage of the second loop, just ahead of Lafala, and Salberg, while Loeb and Hervenin were post identical times, and for the second pass on the crustacea stage, Hervenin once again can't come close to the Frenchman. Danny Sardo with intercom issues, managed to be fourth fastest, and Petter Salberg had now got into a rhythm and finished stage, stage five in third overall with galli once again third quickest in front of immense local support. The final stage of the day saw so Nathalie get what looked to be coming for a while now, a stage win. <laughs> Two and a half seconds ahead of Loeb and another, th- another third fastest time for galley saw the Italian end the day in sixth. Day two commenced on the 18 and a half kilometre Punta Pianeda stage, now a bit wet after some rain overnight. Loeb was first on the road, but the damp conditions now would make the, the gravel and sand bond a bit together. So opening the road, not quite the same challenge as the previous day. However, it was Lafala who topped the timesheets, still in a fight back after his early puncture. Followed by Hervonen, with Galley a consistent third, as Loeb was fourth fastest. Petter Salberg fell out of the podium positions after losing lots of time, struggling for grip on the opening stage, remarking on the in car footage while crossing the flying finish that it was undrivable, promoting Hervonen into third. It was a Ford 1 2 again on stage eight, with Laffala getting another stage win, now leaping into fourth overall, having been 14th overall after stage. Who the previous day. Loeb could only manage third quickest, but still had a commanding lead of over 40 seconds, heading to the final stage of the first loop of Saturday. Petter Salberg's bonnet flew open on stage eight, his day going for bad to worse, having to pull in and secure it. Stage nine saw the Ford pair repeat defeat of the previous test, with another stage win for Latvala. Danny Sordo slipped to fourth overall after stage nine, with the top three now Loeb, Hervin, and Lafala, amazingly just 14 seconds off his other finished teammate after his day one mishaps. Back at service, with lots of heavy landings taking place, Biko Hervin and others were getting brand new suspension, and it seemed to work a treat on the next loop, as it was Fords once again taking the top two times on stage 10. Loeb's lead being eroded slowly, but still having a decent buffer of 38 seconds. Galli had now climbed into fourth overall, showing consistently good pace once again. Suzuki and Gardemeister's rally didn't improve as broken rear suspension had him exit the rally on stage 11. Latvella's searing pace didn't cease, and at the end of stage 12, he was dead level after 266 stage kilometres with Hervinen, now just 29.4 seconds off of Loeb, who hadn't broken into the top two times yet today. Loeb, however, was happy with his 30-second lead, which he said was not so bad. Latvilla had won every stage on the Saturday. Uh, So on day three, with five stages remaining, including a super special, the question now was could Latvilla's charge end up with him taking the lead from Loeb, who would be opening the road once again? Hervonen would take the opening stage win 10 seconds quicker than Loeb and five seconds quicker than Latvilla. Loeb fought back on stage 14 to take his lead up to 23 seconds and buy himself a little bit more room after losing so much on the previous stage. Hervenin was now really enjoying himself and, and he was grinning at the stage end cameras saying it was a fantastic fight. After service and into the last loop of two stages before the super special finale, it was the four drivers still hungry to chase down the Citroen of Loeb. The gap between first and second was now down to 16.2 seconds. Loeb just had to hold on and despite Hervenin going quickest on stage 16 it was only 3.3 seconds faster than Loeb and therefore not enough to seal victory before the Super Special which wouldn't really impact proceedings as per usual. The Super Special was won by Laffala to give him 10 stage wins from 17 but despite this the Frenchman emerged victorious 10 seconds clear of Hervenin but performance of the weekend has to be Lathfella, who fought back to finish just 14.6 seconds off of the winner which is just incredible stuff out of latvilla stuff we've seen from latvilla plenty of times over the years and it's really one of the reasons that this one stood out to me um you know it's just one of these ones when latvilla is pure in the zone he's got the dark glasses on and he's just almost you know like like a terminator behind the wheel just absolutely going for it winner bust and it was um yeah, absolutely. One of, of Lafla's best performances, I think, behind the wheel of a world rally car.
0: I agree. And the only thing I'd, I disagree with is the, is the Terminator thing, purely because, you know, it's this kind of performance that that he wasn't able to 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 turn in week after week, which isn't a criticism because no one else could. It's just that he was up against the man who could, well, the one man who could, Sebastian Loeb. And, and, you know, it's, I don't know, it's drives like this that, that make make me sort of realise how we all, myself included, thought it was a shoo-in that Lafala would be a world rally champion, you know, um, and certainly deserved to be.
1: Yeah, and you make a fair point because there's a few of these Lafala performances over the years, but that's quite the thing, isn't it, that there's just these ones that stand out, whereas there should be, if not, not performances like this, but just ones that are just good enough, rather than mm-hmm. really stand out, and it would have delivered them a championship, be it at this time, or later when he had the, the polo under him as well, up against Auger. Um no doubt, you know, like Hervin and ruining the fact that there was these Sebastians <laughs> around uh, yeah. to, to upset his title hopes, you know, because, I mean, both of those guys, if you remove, you know, it's always one of these things, but if you remove either Sebastian from the equation, both Hervin and, and Lafayette are world champions probably a couple of times over, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. No question about it. Yeah, um, so, good so to that's the this... uh, old Gigi Galley. Oh, sorry, Colin.
1: Yeah, no, no, Quentin. I
0: was just going to say, good to see, uh, you know, or re- be re- really reminded of GG Galley's uh, scintillating performances. I mean, you know, he was always a highlight of uh, watching any WRC round back in the day.
1: Yeah, always put on a good shoulder, Gary. Um Probably capable of doing a bit more than he ever ended up doing, but was always a reliable entertainer and certainly in front of the local crowds he always seemed to um pull out something extra special oh
0: yeah yeah
1: so We'd yeah the, <laughs> yeah it was a good one I, I do quite like sardinia despite obviously lusting for san remo um sardinia has always proved pretty decent to watch in my memory um and i'm looking forward to watching it this weekend to be honest mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah. yeah that that brings us to another to the end of another retrospective, um. So this week, Rally Italy. Um. We hope you're you're enjoying listening to these, and um, there'll be more to come throughout the year. We have an interview based episode coming up next, um, and we will continue our revisiting of past events as the season continues. Uh, dare I say, Jamie? Seeing as this is going out the Thursday of um the commencement of this year's Rally Italy, who's your um? Who's your shoe in then?
0: <laughs> uh I mean Head says Robin Perra. Um I'm gonna go out on a, a limb and say Evans. That's who I that's who I might put my money on.
1: Well, you know, this time last year it was very easy to say Robin Perr for anything. No, okay, despite like his performance last time out was last time out, yeah, yeah. Superb. Um, but you know, he hasn't been not to say that he isn't a Raven pair of last year, but it doesn't look like the guarantee that you just go pick him for every round at this point. Exactly. Now, I think if he decides to turn it on, he will. But also, Sardinia is still a relatively additional... Get,
0: it depends whether we get the roving pair from last time out or not, doesn't it? That's it.
1: That's the thing. Um, He's too distracted thinking of all his drifting crack. Um, they need to get <laughs> beat that out of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. How about you? Yeah, I actually I actually think your show of Evans isn't bad. Um I mean although I think Tanak is starting to get a grips of the Puma now, it's still not the it's still not the quick car or the quickest of the three. Um but it's one of these ones that his role position will be relatively favourable. Um and it's it's one of these things that Panic is capable of kind of grinding out a result where he kind of shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Should be a good event. Yeah, I reckon so. I reckon so. So we'll bring this one to a close. And with that, it's thanks very much for listening from myself.
0: And thank you very much from myself too.
1: I will see you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to Rally DNA and goodbye.